0: Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus through the Word one chapter per day. I am Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. It is day seven hundred and sixty two, and we're here in Isaiah sixty three. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are good, you are faithful, you are holy, you are just. We are so thankful that you are who you are because we are utterly dependent upon you and your strength and and your holy character, and your justice, and your love are the hope of our soul, and our hope for eternity, and the anchor of our lives, we thank you. Please be our teacher today. Please write Isaiah 63 on our hearts. Help us to understand it. Help us to respond to your word with faith. Help us to see you more clearly and follow after you more faithfully. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Isaiah 63. Who is this? Who comes from Edom, in crimsoned garments from Basra? He who is splendid in his apparel, marching in the greatness of his strength. It is I, speaking in righteousness, mighty to save. Why is your garment red, and your garments like he, like his who treads in the winepress? I have tread, I have trodden in the winepress alone. And from the peoples no one was with me. I trod them in my anger and trampled them in my wrath. Their lifeblood splattered on my garments and stained all my apparel. For the day of vengeance was in my heart, and my year of redemption had come. I looked, but there was no one to help. I was appalled, but there was no one to uphold. So my own arm brought me salvation, and my wrath upheld me. I trampled down the peoples in my anger, I made them drunk in my wrath, and I poured out their life blood on the earth. I will recount the steadfast love of the Lord, the praises of the Lord, according to all that the Lord has granted us, and the great goodness to the house of Israel that he has granted them according to his compassion, according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he said, Surely they are my people, children who will not deal falsely. And he became their savior. In all their affliction he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. But they rebelled. And grieved his spirit. Therefore he turned to be their enemy, and himself fought against them. Then he remembered the days of old, of Moses and his people. Where is he who brought them up out of the sea with the shepherds of his flock? Where is he who put in the midst of them his Holy Spirit? who caused his glorious arm to go at the right hand of Moses, who divided the waters before them to make for himself an everlasting name, who led them through the depths like a horse in the desert. They did not stumble like livestock that go down into the valley. The spirit of the Lord gave them rest. So you led your people to make for yourself a glorious name. Look down from heaven and see. From your holy and beautiful habitation, where are your zeal and your might? The stirring of your inner parts and your compassion are held back from me. For you are our father. Though Abraham does not know us, and Israel does not acknowledge us, you, O Lord, are our father. Our redeemer from of old is your name. O Lord, why do you make us wander from your ways and harden our hearts so that we fear you not? Return for the sake of your servants, the tribes of your heritage. Your holy people hold possession for a little while. Our adversaries have trampled down your sanctuary. We have become like those over whom you have never ruled, like those who are not called by your name. Isaiah 63, some some beautiful, powerful words and some hard, hard words. God's word is clear and honest and direct and bold and blunt at times. At times it is confusing because it's so blunt and so bold. At times we we need help to understand it. But boy, this passage is, (laughs) it's compelling. For sure. So we have a vision of the Lord. A vision of the Lord coming from Edom, coming from Basra, with red apparel, with garments that are soaked in what looks like wine, but it's blood. And he says, it is I speaking in righteousness, mighty to save. This picture is really, ultimately, of Christ who is coming to judge the nations in final vengeance. This is Judgment Day. This is the wrath of God in the Son of God coming to judge the peoples. On the day when Jesus comes, he will come to judge. He will come to judge all the wicked and all the rebellious of earth And he will judge himself without any help. Now, the Bible does in the New Testament tell us that we are going to sit with Christ. We're going to be accompanying him as he judges the nations. But winning the victory, winning the battle, putting down the enemies of God. As Revelation pictures it with the sharp two-edged sword coming out of his mouth. He who is king of kings and lord of lords. That picture in Revelation 19. He comes and he executes justice. And notice that the day of vengeance is the year of redemption in verse 4. Why is that? Because it's when Christ comes again to execute vengeance on all the earth that we receive the promised redemption, our adoption as sons, which is the redemption of our bodies spoken of in Romans 8 and in 1 Corinthians 15 and elsewhere. We will be fully transformed, fully redeemed, brought back from our mortal and sinful condition fully into Christ in his glory. But he's gonna do this, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a day of vengeance like nothing the world has ever seen, and it will be the end. It will be the end of all wickedness, the end of all rebellion. And that day is coming. Now, there's a shift at the beginning of verse seven, where Isaiah is remembering the steadfast love of the Lord. This is covenant remembrance, right? Zakar, recount, remember. This is a a strong covenantal word of remembering, recalling, bringing back to mind the steadfast love of the Lord, the chesed of the Lord, His, his actions on behalf of his people for the praise of God. All that The Lord has granted us the great goodness to the house of Israel that he's granted them according to his compassion, according to his steadfast love. This is because we're going to go into a very, very troubling section, right? So we have the background here, and that is the Lord is coming to execute final vengeance on all the enemies of his people. And in that day, it will be the day of redemption. That's background number one. Background number two is the steadfast love of the Lord his covenant faithfulness, his great goodness to the house of Israel, his compassion, his steadfast love of everything that he has already granted them. So glorious future coming in the day of vengeance, the day of the year of redemption, glorious past remembered of God's steadfast love, compassion, faithfulness, goodness to the house of Israel. Right. He said, the Lord said, surely they are my people children who will not deal falsely and he became their savior in all their affliction he was afflicted and the angel of his presence saved them in his love and in his pity, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. What is that? What is that referring to? Well, bringing them out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, through the Red Sea, feeding them in the wilderness, giving them water to drink from the rock, and then bringing them into the promised land, and and fighting their battles for them and defeating their enemies. All of that covenant faithfulness history is what's in view here in verses eight and nine. This is the abundance of God's steadfast love. This is His goodness to the people of Israel. This is His saving grace that's been so great to them. Verse 10, but they rebelled. God was good. God was generous. God was kind. God sacrificed. God saved. God blessed. But they rebelled. It's the Old Testament, right? The people barely even got into the land and they're rebelling and grieving his Holy Spirit when Joshua and his generation passes away the people turned to idols therefore he turned to be their enemy and fought against them and then he remembered the days of old of moses and his people where is he who brought them up out of the sea with the shepherds of his flock where is he who put in the midst of them his Holy Spirit, who caused his glorious arm to go at the right hand of Moses, who divided the waters before them. In other words, God was faithful in the past. Now the people have rebelled and God turned to be their enemy and God fought against them. And so the question is, well, where's the saving grace of God? Where Where is the redeeming compassion of God? God took this people for himself to be an everlasting name for him. God led them, God took care of them, God gave them rest to make for himself a glorious name. But now his people are being run over by their enemies. They're being struck down. Look down from heaven and see from your holy and beautiful habitation. Where are your zeal and your might? The stirring of your inner parts and your compassion are held back from me. There's an urgent, strong, desperate, even angry, frustrated plea here in the last part of Isaiah 63 that says, You are our Father. You are our Redeemer. And yet, it doesn't seem like you're interested in coming to our help anymore. We've wandered off from your ways and, and you've hardened our hearts and we don't even fear you. The only thing that can save God's people from their stubborn rebellion against God is God himself. When we wander off, when we reject the Lord, when we rebel against the Lord, when we wander away from the Lord, the only one who can save God's rebellious people from their own hard hearts and their rebellion against God is God himself. And Isaiah knows this. And Isaiah is pleading. Because yes, they've rebelled. And yes, they've grieved the Lord. And yes, they've gone after idols. And yes, they're only getting what they deserve. But if God only gives them what they deserve, they'll be wiped out And what will happen to God's great name? What will happen to the everlasting honor of the name of God, which was his purpose in saving his people? They're saying, we had had possession of your land for a little while, and now the adversaries have trampled down the sanctuary, and we've become like those over whom you've never ruled, like those who are not called by your name. We're going to continue tomorrow in chapter 64 and pick up because it really, the chapter break comes right in the middle of this of this plea from Isaiah. But here's, here's what we can look at for ourselves for today, for application. If we see the church, the people of God, in a very poor state of spiritual health, if we see them compromised, worldly, rebellious, lazy, indifferent, if we see them trampled down by the enemies of the gospel persecuted rejected if we see the church and we think like it's a city with the walls broken down it's like a sanctuary being trampled by the enemies false doctrine division persecution spiritual apathy lethargy like people who do not fear the lord living like people who do not fear the lord no difference between the lifestyle of christians and the lifestyle of those who are in the world watching the same movies making the same choices doing the same kinds of things if we see this our hearts should be broken and we should do two things we should look with hope to the future redemption that will come when jesus comes again And we should look back at God's faithfulness to his people throughout the past. Look throughout the scriptures and throughout church history. It's one of the good things about studying church history. You can see these patterns of God's faithfulness and of God's redeeming love. So we look forward to the hope of the future. We look back to the past of God's glorious faithfulness. And with those two things in mind, we look up to God and we say, you must save us or we are without help. That's true in our personal lives. If we're wandering away from God, if we feel our heart hardening, if we feel our spirit lagging in zeal, we need the Lord. The only one who can save God's rebellious people is God himself. And so we need to cry out to him and we need to say, return, have mercy, forgive us, save us from wandering. Tenderize our hearts so that we might fear you. Let's pray. Father, we are your people called by your name. Christians, we bear the name of Christ. And yet we are compromised and worldly. We are materialistic and apathetic. We are selfish. We need you. We need you more then we understand hear us revive us restore us renew us rescue us redeem us for we are your people called by your name and we were we were saved for the praise of you and yet your name is not honored when we are compromised and worldly and materialistic and apathetic do the work that you alone can do at Forest Hill Church, in the hearts of all your people and all faithful churches, to the honor of your name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, that's Isaiah 63. Tomorrow, like I said, we'll be going right on to chapter 64. So I hope you can join me for that, and I do hope you have a blessed day in the Lord. Mm-hmm.